Hey there, I'm Ian. And I'm Rachel. And we want to welcome you to our Building Contenders podcast. Here we share messages, sermons, and our weekly conversations to equip you to contend for the kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy it. Blessings. Blessings. So Ivan, you you called me, um, which, you know, it's, it's one of those things that we don't always answer the phone when people call because, it, you know, but when, when Ivan calls, I'll answer the phone. Uh, a couple of weeks ago when you said, hey, we need to go after this fear, what, what was going on? You know, Ian, like yourself, I have relationship. So I planted a church here, a center in Southern Oregon. And so I have interaction with our congregation. And then I'm in contact with pastors from, it could be Indiana, it could be Charlotte, all over the U.S. Or I'm interacting with some of my friends that are international. And I'm hearing the same thing from these leaders, these apostles, prophets, and pastors, is people are gripped with fear. It's manifesting in attendance. Some of it is like they're scared to leave their house still because of the the fear that COVID put on them. For some of them, it's a real fear of recession is coming and and people are starting to cut back on their giving and they're, they're, I mean, it's like, you know, dig holes in the the basement kind of thing, like bunker down, you know, and and, uh, there's just, I'm telling you, Ian, it just feels like there's fear coming from every side. And, um, there was enough conversations for me to realize that we need to stand together and just break the assignment of fear over the people that are watching. Yeah. I just really felt like enough is enough. And uh, we got to expose this thing for what it is and use our kingdom authority just to bind it and break it. Yeah. So good. Yeah. the It's, it's interesting. You know, I, I get into the whole spiritual warfare kind of, kick a little bit and I want to be as orthodox and as biblical as I possibly can be. Um, and, you know, for uh, where, where to start with that one sort of for years, I would have believed that when Jesus talked about whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven and all that, I would have believed that that was a sort of governmental covenantal thing um, until about last year when I was really challenged on it. Um, and, and the context of it, you know, the context of where Jesus was, you know, at the, at the gates of hell, that there he yes. was at the very center of what would have been like the devil's activity on earth, you know, and there were a number of love gates of hell, you know, one of them was actually in sleeved honored, which we have, um, you know, which if you'd have just given me 15 more minutes, Ivan, we could have maybe got up to the top of um, in Ireland, you know, it was one of those kind of centers of the the portals to the underworld. And Jesus is really at that moment engaging. I believe that he's engaging at that moment in spiritual warfare, that he's putting the enemy on notice that his days are numbered. Um, you know, the, the whole, um, you know, you're the rock, but, you, you, you know, P- P- Peter, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, that this was a public declaration of putting the enemy on notice. And then from there, he went to Mount, you know, the, it says the largest mountain, the large mountain. And most scholars are believing now that that was actually Mount, Mount Hermon or Mount Hermon, uh, which was the scene of Genesis 6 and all that and the great uh, fall that happened um, from the sons of God in Genesis 6 and all the chaos that came out of that. And Jesus is actually meeting with his divine counsel, which is Moses and Elijah and the three 
on this mountain. And again, he's putting the enemy on notice to say, hey, your days are numbered. All that being said, at the at the start of COVID, before COVID even, well, at the start of COVID, um, I just felt that there had been this sort of political religious spirit unleashed uh, on the earth. Uh, but it wasn't, and I, I believe that, right, like right here, if we if we can get this intellectually and in our spirits, if we can get the fact that what the enemy is doing is not, um, is not you know, this sort of like vanguard, active, trying to take territory move. In fact, what the enemy is doing is he's trying to prepare. He's trying to distract us. So let me. Let me back up a little bit. At the start of COVID, I heard people saying, you know, really trying to be encouraged and saying, God's sending his angels to you. And that was not my experience at the time. My experience was that I was seeing the angels return to heaven. That's the simplest way to put it. They were returning into the presence of God. And it reminded me of what used to happen when we were about to do something in a former life that I had, when we were about to do something that was uh, pretty aggressive and trying to take territory and trying to take some ground is we would be called back to base. We would be returned to base. And in returning to base, we would get our briefings, we'd get our assignments, all these things would be parceled out. And there may even be, depending how long it was, there may even be additional training in that. I, I sensed that what was happening in the, in the heavenlies is that God was actually calling people, back, calling these heavenly beings back to be briefed for a coming move of God, for something that heaven was going to do that would blow the enemy out of the water. And of course, like all the plans of God, the enemy doesn't know what the plans of God are. It's one of the reasons I think God hides things at times from the prophets is because he doesn't want the enemy to know. So in, in dealing within all that, like he's, you know, because the prophets will be up going, well, thus, you know, all you prophets will be up sort of like putting in your blogs and get on the Elijah list and all that. This, is, this, is, this is what God is doing. But, but God has actually been, been um, and I don't know what it is. Like I, I can guess what it is, but I don't know what it is he's planning. But immediately what happened in the enemy's camp is they started to do a reaction to something that God was planning. And they didn't know what was God, God was planning. So they they dug into their old toolbox and came back with the usual political religious spirit thing, which is division, fear, um, contempt, anger, all of those things. But the whole div divisiveness uh, that's been around over the last almost three years is as a result of the enemy reacting to something that God is about to unleash on the earth so, so it's it's i think the fear thing whilst the fear thing can be a spirit in and of itself i think this particular thing that we're going we're, that we're going after is part of that political religious spirit i think yes. that's so yeah I, I love that you started with matthew chapter 16 and and i know that you know this ian and, but for those of you that are watching just to lay a little bit more biblical context and then We'll kind of get into what you just shared, some powerful truth of the things that God was showing him. But it's at Mount Hermon, at the foot of Mount Hermon. And when Jesus would have taken his disciples to Caesarea Philippi, the specific place that they would have went to would have been like taking the, the youth group. Because remember, these guys are young disciples. This is like Jesus's graduation speech. He takes them to the foot of Mount Hermon. And 
this is would have been like the red light district of Amsterdam. Uh, the, the, the way that they were sacrificing, this was full perversion. And they were sacrificing to the lowercase g demon god Pan. And it's super interesting. Pan, he had the face of a man, he had horns, and he had the body of a goat. And some of the pictures of Satan that we see over through church history would have been actually a picture of Pan. They worshiped outside with a lot of uh, filth, the way that they would worship. And it was believed that Pan would manifest there at the foot of Mount Hermon and they would worship. And as Ian was saying, the gates of Hades, they're standing literally in front of a place where people had visitations of Pan. And what I found intriguing as I researched this just actually recently, again, was that this Pan is where we get our English word panic from. And it's because when people encountered Pan through mythology, uh, through Greek mythology, when they encountered Pan, they ran away filled with panic. And, and that hit me, Ian, because I started thinking, whose presence have I been in? And, and as I, because I don't want to stand here saying that I don't have, haven't struggled with fear through some of these things, but I've had to ask myself, who's, whose presence have I been in? After listening to the news or hearing about rumors of war or hearing about famine, or do I instantly go into panic? Then that means I'm actually aligning my heart with pan and, and not with the presence of Jesus. And so for those of you that are watching, I hope that that little distinction helps you. It's like, I don't want to hang out with Pan. <laughs> mm. I'm not aligning myself. And in that commencement speech, Jesus is standing at the gates of Hades and he's making a decree to them. And I believe this is what it's in our heart for today. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And it's an offensive position. And I think Ian is, I want to hear more from you, you know, from your background, even in life and the things that you've, you faced and the fear that you've experienced just in the natural. I just keep hearing this thing of we need to move forward. And sometimes yeah. we even have to move forward afraid. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'd love for you to speak into that because, you know, I don't know if the people know your background as a soldier and all that you've accomplished. And, but you know, you've, you've lived in, maybe you weren't in fear in your heart, but there was a lot of crazy stuff going on around you. No, no, I've, I, I've been afraid and I don't like it. Right. So, like I've, I've never watched a horror movie. I've never, never gone to a haunted house or anything like that. Um, and it hasn't been from a it hasn't been because because of a, I have a religious a religious conviction about it. Um, it's just because I don't like being afraid. It's really that simple. Um, most of us, however, are not kind of, like I think the the uniqueness of the pandemic pandemic, uh, like oh. the uniqueness of the pandemic is uh, that for the first time, I think probably since 1945, um, the people were actually afraid for their lives. Um, like they were afraid of dying. And I'm not so sure that that's been, that we've been, you know, I think when you're in, when you're, when you're fighting, when you're in combat, you're gonna be afraid of dying. But I think what, what happened is that it put a bunch of untrained combatants um, on, on the field who had no, um, no training or no, uh, no mind renewal, right? All those things that combatants actually, that, that they're, they're trained to do, you know? Uh, you know, there's a saying within combat, which is panic kills. And whether that's, you know, you'll you'll do that within firefight. Firefighters will say exactly the same thing. Panic kills. The one thing you can't do is panic. 
and yet we have we have all witnessed panic and we've all witnessed other people panic of course we've never panicked because we're christians and we're full of the holy spirit and um but you know we're uh and that of course i'm i'm that's not true but uh it we've certainly witnessed it you know i've witnessed people getting onto an airplane with a full like plastic suit and triple masked and there's four people on the plane and we're all sitting in first class and they're wiping everything down with mm-hmm. in a panic. And, and I, I don't want to ever condemn someone who's doing that because they're, they're, they've been thrust into this uh, warfare, into this place of hostility and they're, they're just not trained. They, they haven't been trained how to simply say, okay, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I have people fighting with me and that's, that's one of the other things that I, ha- I, I think has been um, very strategically done by, by the devil, which is you don't actually have people fighting with you, that there, was a, there has been a real sense of isolation. Yes. Um, that, that people have been like really isolated. And even, even now, like, you know, there's been so many endings. Well, this is it. This, the, the pandemic's over. The, this season's over. And I, I believe that's actually, they're actually true. I think that season is over. But one of the legacies has been that people um, are now reaping two years, three years of isolation oh. and are wondering why they're worn out, weary, and susceptible to not believing the good news of the gospel anymore. So. Powerful. I, I I think that the training piece has been one of the things that's highlighted that's been highlighted for me is the is that we haven't trained people for war that we've trained people for um, you know being nice people right. being being of good character we've trained people in a culture of honor. We've trained people and all those things are that are essential, how to be good husbands, parents, all that kind of stuff. But we haven't actually trained people for war. And, and I think and that's the word, isn't it? We're in wartime. We, we are. I mean, honestly, the whole narrative of our existence is that we're in a global battle for, you yes. know, of good versus evil. That That's why we don't even know at the minute what is good and what is evil. And everybody's trying to renegotiate because the minute you take God out of the equation, there is no absolute morality. I'm not yeah. saying there's no morality. I'm just saying there can't be an absolute morality. That absolute morality has to be decided upon by Facebook committees right. or Twitter committees or Senates or Congress or whatever it is that has to be. In a, and, and for us, it's like, no, no, this, this is God himself is the arbiter of, of ethics and morality and we're just following him and that's why it like there's there's something about there's something about combat that you have to know that you're on the good the side of good you know and that's where all the propaganda in world war ii comes that's where all the propaganda comes in vietnam it's like the minute you can convince a side that they're not on the side of good then all the fight goes out of people and what we have at the minute is we have all this like renegotiating. Well, you're not being good. You're scary. Christians are scary. You're going to blah, blah, blah. And yet what, what we have is we have, and if, if that enters into our consciousness, then we give up the fight. All right. You know what I love about <clears throat> Ephesians chapter six, 
and it's talking about, you know, we wear the helmet of salvation, the shield of face, the, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. You, you guys know this. And your feet are shod with the gospel piece. There's there's two weapons that that I want to highlight. I actually just finished my doctoral dissertation, and I, and I wrote the book, Ian, on victorious spiritual warfare. So a lot of this is fresh. It's that if the warrior didn't strap that belt of truth, so that belt of truth kept everything else on. If, if, the, if the belt came off, all their weapons fell off, their garments, the belt of truth kept everything together. We, there is absolute truth in Jesus Christ. And that's, that's a huge one. But the, the gospel of the peace, uh, your shoes, your feet will be shod with the gospel of peace. I started studying that. And it's interesting that we bring peace, mm -hmm. that, that your feet are peace. It's not like peace is to retreat, peace is to hide. It's just a good feeling. No, Jesus says, your feet are shod with peace. Now go bring peace into darkness. And that's where I would like to go back to this. You know, people are really commenting in about train for war, train for war. You know, let's talk a little bit about moving forward and fighting afraid. Can you speak into that a little bit? I mean, I know you said panic, you know, how, how do we overcome? You know, so let's just give some specifics. And I have one thing that I'm thinking about, but let's just give some specifics. You know, you're watching the news. Maybe you're not even watching the news. Maybe you're just involved in the stock market. You know, you're just seeing things around you. Maybe you're a mom and you're watching this and you're the person that's doing the grocery shopping. And a, my wife sent me a picture. She's like, honey, this can of whatever was $7 and now it's 12. Mm -hmm. so, so this is real things. So maybe can you speak into when everything around you is prophesying to you that we're going to hell in a handbasket, what helps you or what's making you keep your peace? Yeah, so there's uh, that's a lot, right? There's a lot there. So, so for me, the courage itself, you know, courage is courage requires the presence of fear. Wow. Right. So, so we're, I'm, I, I think for, for me to be, if I'm, if I'm saying that I'm courageous, if I'm saying I have no fear, then I, I probably should be sectioned. You know, someone should come in a little white van and white coats and come and take me away somewhere, right? Because if crazy, you're crazy, if yeah. you're not afraid, you don't fully understand what what's happening. Um, however, what I do is I, I I like the the laurels. We overcame. They overcame by what? Like they overcame by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and they loved not their own lives even unto death. Like there is a part of that that is absolutely missing, has been missing, I think, from the Christian churches. Like, hey, you're going to kill me? Great, I go to be with Jesus. Right. Is that really the worst thing that you're going to do? Is kill me? And and then we get into the hey, well, maybe you can't afford that twelve dollar can of you know whatever whatever you're paying twelve dollars for in a can. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But you know, it's very special chili. Yes. Um, yeah. So, uh, I, you know, and, and then you sort of put that in perspective, and you go, "Okay, so you don't buy the twelve dollar chili." All right. Just to be clear, this is not tribulation. Exactly. Like not being able to renew your, not being able to buy a new car for the next twelve months is not tribulation. And, and yet we're sort of running about at times like with a completely wrong perspective. This is this is what I know in the kingdom. 
the, in the kingdom, it is the right way up economics, right? It's right side up, which means in times of plenty, we are frugal. And in times of famine, we are generous. Yeah. That's the kingdom. That's what Joseph modeled. That was the whole dream thing. This is what Joseph modeled was, hey, you know, when there's a famine, we're actually going to be generous. We're going to step out in generosity. And it, it is like we overcame by the blood of the lamb and all that that takes, you know, that the victory, you know, we, 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 the word gospel is actually a, a secular term that meant the proclamation of a victory. Wow. So we either we either believe that there is a gospel, that there is a victory through the blood of the lamb, or we don't. It's a pretty binary option. Um, I'm a simple guy, you know, I, I'm not really, but it, it's, it's a binary option. We either believe that Jesus won an absolute victory or we didn't. Listen, look, I'm leading a church. I just took off, took, took over the leading of a church in 2008, just as everything was about to go boom. We went through probably three years of absolute glory and abundance and financial growth, people growth, all of that, simply because we were in a time of famine. And I refused to I refused to stand in agreement with the lie that says this is getting worse. I will not, I don't care what big prophet name is out there. If they're telling me something that goes against the blood of the lamb yes the absolute victory of a, on the cross if they're telling me something i'm not going to stand in agreement with them in fact right. you might actually hear me saying nah third world war hell no right right i'm i'm not actually going to stand in agreement with that I, i'm just right. not i believe that god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and he still loves the world and has not condemned any world or any nation or anything like that to perish. Like that, that's the heart of God for me. So they they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony. Listen, listen, people, every single one of you who are running around afraid, know fine rightly that you can stand on the word of your testimony that says, I don't know what was happening here, but I know you. Come on. I don't really understand everything that's going on at the minute. I don't. I really don't. But I know that he who promised is faithful. I don't know about all the faithfulness faithfulness of everything else, but I know the heart of Jesus, right? I yes. can give you testimony over testimony over testimony. Listen. Right. It's very real. It's very real yes. for us at the minute. Like very personal. We have... Um, we've been like contending for something for probably six, seven weeks. It's really serious, uh, family member, all that. And just before I came in here, um, we got a text saying that he actually smiled and waved. This family member actually smiled and waved to his family. And this is someone who's been in ICU for, for weeks. Wow. Um, and all of this, like, this is real. This is absolutely real. And every single one of us can go testimony, testimony, testimony. testimony. Right. This is what God did, you know? That's right. This is what God has done. And and then they love not their own lives. Like, that's the bit I think we, I, I think that's the bit we forget because I believe that God is good. I believe he's in a good mood. And I don't think that the worst thing you're ever going to do to me is send me to be with Jesus. 
Right. It's true. An 18-year-old, 19-year-old actually facing that, you know, facing the reality of, uh, you know, every morning getting up and checking to see if there was a bomb under your car. Um, Like every time you're getting into your car, sometimes, you know, five, six times a day, checking to see if you're parked in the street, dropping on one knee to make sure that, you know, so I know what it's like to face death daily and by that i just mean like constantly be aware of it constantly be aware that this could be it um you know going into situations where you realize oh this this could be it we're good right like we're we're actually good and and i i think there is that that eternal perspective that we need like we need an eternal perspective on life you know you know one of what one of the only religions on the planet that has got a happy afterlife was the Egyptian religion, hmm. the religion of Egypt. Like if you picture the religion of Egypt, particularly if you're a pharaoh, and then it sort of trickled down to, to, to normal people. But what did they do? They brought all the goodies in with you when you were buried because you were going to have fun in the afterlife. You right. were actually storing up for yourselves treasures on earth that you would be able to bring into the afterlife. And, you know, I, I think like if Egyptian witchcraft and occult can have some sort of celebrate, celebrate, celebratory uh, perspective on eternity, should we not? Should we? Like, I'm not right. going to sit the cloud. I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to be with Jesus. Jesus and to govern and to reign and to, you know, enjoy the increase of his government and of peace of which there will be no end. That's kind of what... We've got this eternal perspective, and I think the eternal perspective. Listen, I yeah, so much, so much. I'm. Sorry. I love it. I, I want to add just a, just a few points here as you were talking. I mean, there's a few things. I'll, I'll, I'll end with the eternal perspective and just have you just speak into that more. I mean, but there's there's a piece for me that as I've been kind of processing this, found in Matthew chapter six, where Jesus says, "Look at the birds of the air. You know, they neither toil nor spin." And then he goes on to say, "Aren't you?" much more valuable than them. And for some reason, recently, that punched me in the chest. And if we're living in fear and we're worrying about what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, where we're going to sleep, then we don't know our value to the Father. It comes down to identity, doesn't it? It comes down back to that place of like, am I a son? (laughs) My Father loves me so much. He's going to take care of me. And, And for me, one of the aligning verses in my heart around this whole fear thing has been that Matthew 6. And I think it's that shift of, guys, we got to go back, return to our first love, seek first the kingdom, yeah. advance the kingdom of God. You know, yeah. as I was praying for, for this time together, I said, Lord, I, there's a lot of things that, that we can talk about, about killing fear, but, but, you know, what do you want me to share? Like, what's my piece? And, and I felt like it's what you said, Ian. I think things get really scary when you don't have an optimistic vision for your life. When, when, you, when you don't know, like, if you don't know what you're doing or where you're going, no sense of calling, no sense of purpose, then everything is so afraid. But have you ever seen the movie The Big Fish? I know this is maybe going to sound like I'm going way over here. Anyway, basically, this boy, when he's very, very young, he looks into the glass eye of a witch, and he sees how he dies. And I know that sounds so, I'm not saying it's Christian, but he lives with no fear the rest of his life because mm. he knows that's not how I go. And I feel like we need to come back to a place of awakening our hearts 
to a place of eternal purpose. I know what God's called me to do. I know my mission, my commission. And if I die doing it, if I die in battle, then at least I die with blood on my sword, not yeah. me withdrawing from battle. So I really believe, because I would like you to continue to unpack what you were saying. There's so much weight on it. Seeing from an eternal perspective, you know, like Leonard Ravenhill, God has burned eternity on my eyeballs. You know, yeah. and I think so often what's happening right now is people are just looking at what I don't have, what I do have, and the shift from living earthly versus living like Jesus teaches us in Matthew 6, heaven to earth. So I would love to hear more about what you're saying because you're getting fired up over there about the heaven's yeah, perspective. <laughs> I can get fired. It's funny, the purpose thing, you know, like we're, we're I'm doing this course at the start of the year, which is all about finding your purpose, because I realize that the people that are most fearful generally don't have a sense of purpose. I agree. Like, like my tagline just yesterday that I put out on an ad, and this is this is just random, was like, this course will make the future um, less fearful because you're just able to find what your purpose in life is. And, you know, and I always want to be clear that it's your purpose, not your porpoise, because your porpoise is a dolphin. And, you know, maybe you have a dolphin. I don't know. That's a uh, northeast. That's so random. <laughs> well, you know what? When I think of purpose, I always hear it with a Geordie accent, which sounds with a Joyzy, with a, a Geordie uh, Northeast England accent. Oh, so. I'm sorry. Which anyway, my best friend grew up. Well, anyway, the whole random thing. Let, let me let me talk about the let me talk about the um, the. I'm just taking notes here. Uh, so let me talk about the the identity piece first of all. The identity piece is absolutely essential. So we've got a lot of really bad teaching on identity because what we've got is we've, we're listening to the word that says, hey, you're perfect just the way you are. No, you're not. Right. Like you're just not. You actually need a savior. Yes. Like you're so perfect, you need a savior. Yes. Come on. And, and you know what? You're, you're not perfect the way you are because there's a thing called health that you have to grow out. There's a thing called mental health that you have to figure out. And what we're doing at the minute is we're taking mental health things, things that are have traditionally been, um, you know, dysmorphia. And we're saying, no, no, it's perfect. It's all okay because we have this really bad identity teaching. And some of it has actually crept into the church that says, you're good enough just the way you are. No, wow. how about we get discipled, we grow, we mature, yes. we start to look like Jesus more and not a bet, you know, a better version of our best darkness, you know. So I, I think there is a part of the identity thing that we need to 100 percent look like Jesus. That's kind of yeah. and that that is accepting that I'm a child of God. I'm a son or a daughter of God. I have this thing that I'm a son or a daughter of God, but I want to look like him. Yeah. I, I don't want to look like you know some version of me. I want to look like him, you know, and I and I, I kind of think that that's, we're going to go through a little, um, you know, readjustment, a resetting with the identity yeah. stuff and actually some real identity things happening. Because what we have is we have the identity teaching that we're, this is a round table. We're all equal. No, we're not. No, we're not. We're just not. You know, if there's a place of most honor at a table, that means there's a place of less honor at a table and figuring all that out when we honor everybody. And actually, in Ireland this year, I think it was one of the topics that we had was this. This is what, you know, throughout Europe, they have done honor badly and have done honor well. 
And one of the reasons they do honor well is, is because we now have these vast estates and palaces that are left for the people to enjoy centuries later and all that. But anyway, I think it's just really interesting that, that we're, we're, we're suffering the consequences from bad identity teaching because you're perfect or you're not perfect. Um, you know, just the way you are. Uh, I'm sorry, I married nearly 34 years. Someone asked me to the same person. Someone said, you're married 34 years to the same person. And I, I said, no, right. that, that my wife today is a thousand times the woman she was the, when I married her, like just deeper, richer, smarter, you know, all the things more beautiful, everything than, you know, 1989. Wow. When Still you're 24 and think you know everything. So, yeah, the identity thing is really, really interesting. Um, the eternal piece, having an eternal perspective, I think is really interesting. Like one of the things that I figured that, that I felt the Lord challenged me on earlier on this year was, do I have an eternal perspective for wealth? Wow. Come on, let's go there. Do, do I have an etern eternal perspective on, on finances? And it was it was like he said, you know, you can take it with you. You can or can't take it with you. You can. You can, you you can, can. take it with okay. you. You can yeah. take it with you, right? Because what you're actually doing in on this earth, when you know, when God is allowing you to sow into things, there are eternal benefits to that. Yes. So I'm not saying right. we're going to have coins, we're going to have gold bars, and all that. Although the streets are paved with gold. Um, uh, but I'm saying that there is an eternal perspective, even what we do with our riches. And that's what Paul was teaching, right? Paul was teaching Timothy. He said to Timothy, don't forget to tell the wealthy people that they need to be generous. Now, that has got nothing to do with looking after the poor. That's got something to do with this spirit of generosity that's always giving and not receiving. And I think there's something about that that's actually being challenged from a systemic spiritual place with religion and politics is that we are, we have been taught a little bit over the last few years that we're going to be looked after and that somebody, you know, that we're going to get these checks in the mail and that we're going to, I, that's one of those declarations I don't enjoy. I enjoy checks in the mail, but I don't enjoy yeah. like making that. The finding money. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't enjoy it. So uh, but, you know, we've got these different checks coming in and maybe you can get this and this entitlement and that entitlement. And I, I'm all for looking. I'm all for some societal uh, responsibilities towards the, 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 you know, those that are worse off. I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying the system then becomes someone's going to give me something instead of like, no, no, there is no eternal perspective in that. Like there's no kind of I want to be able to sow, I want to be able to give because I have to do this in eternity. Um, and we make decisions that are based on panic, right? We make decisions that are based on panic all around this whole thing. I love the fact you're mentioning Matthew 6. Uh, you must be in Matthew at the minute because you're quoting Matthew. You're, you must be reading Matthew movies. No, I'm not. I'm going through the book of Acts, but I'm, I'm actually just finished my, my book on Victoria's Spiritual Warfare. And I so I've been all in these kind of verses about yeah. warfare, and so it, it's it's interesting, you know. Take no care for tomorrow. Yes. Well, why, why don't we just do that? 
Beautiful. But well, why, why, don't, why don't we just do that? Because here's, here's the reality. You don't have tomorrow's grace yet. That's so good. So why are we trying to cope with tomorrow when the grace hasn't actually arrived yet? It's not arriving until, and, and what, you know, it's not arriving until tomorrow morning when we wake up or at sundown tonight, depending on which, which, you know, where your day starts. <clears throat> but what we have is we've got, uh, we've got this uh, perspective of that I'm not going to be present, right? In a prophetic culture, I'm not going to be present. I'm going to be future. Right. And the problem with that is you don't have the grace for the future yet. So sure. all you can do is manufacture some kind of worry and intercession about how it's not going to happen. So I, I just think we have to wait until the grace is delivered. That if I'm going to be concerned about tomorrow, I have to wait until that grace is delivered to me to be concerned. And I think one of the, I, I just think one of the helpful tools that we can do is just to be present, just to be here in the moment and realize I'm not dying. I'm just not dying. Like we are eternal. Like the minute you get born again, you've just entered into eternal life, right? You just entered into eternal life. So, so that means, you know, it's the great uh, gladiator, you know, what we do, what we do in this moment echoes in eternity. Eternity. Um, I, you know, I, I tell people that the scripture says that of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. That means in heaven, there will still need to be an increase. We will still uh, experience the increase of his government and of peace because it's eternal, it's, it's everlasting, uh, that we're just going to continue to see his government increase um, and his peace increase. So I, I just think it starts now. I'm not waiting to die. It starts now. I better I better be doing that. So I want to share an encounter that I had. You know, I love the things that you're saying. And honestly, I, I have to go back and, I know you're, it's accurate. I know the scriptures it's, but man, it hit me. Like what we give on this side of eternity is it's eternal. That, that'll help. That'll help shift people's perspectives. Yeah. I had an encounter with the Lord where uh, I saw Jesus and he was, you know, he was in the top of a barn, you know, where they put the hay and he had one of those pieces of hay and it's like this and the barn was filled. And so I said, Jesus, what do you want me to know? And the Lord spoke to me out of a scripture, I think it's Deuteronomy 28, where it says, your barns will be full, your vats will overflow, and I will command a blessing on your storehouse. Yeah. And, it, and, and I just, so I started wrestling through this verse and, you know, there's a side of me that goes to this context and then I'm like, he's talking to me about money. And, and, and that's what he's talking to me about anyway. And it's harvest. And it's a harvest of the things that we've sown. And um, what's interesting is I had that encounter and then I have another encounter where I see Jesus and I see him. It doesn't matter specifically what it looked like, but it did to me. And he was an architect. So I have these two encounters. And then that following week, I had a report of some financial things. And it was this huge hit that came out of nowhere. And I was like, wait a minute. I just saw the Lord Jesus and he's decreed a word over me. I'll command a blessing upon your storehouse. And he visited me as this Jewish, handsome, olive skin, green eyes. He looked, everything about him was healthy and he was an architect. And in this encounter, he was speaking to me about if I could just get in that architecture with him, he can build something in this heavenly perspective. And, and I was thinking as you were talking about how Abraham sowed, I'm sorry, Isaac sowed in time of famine and he reaped that year 
And I feel personally, I, you know, somebody asked the question here. I think it was Johnny Walsh. Is the is people's biggest fear money? Um, I'm not sure, but here's here's something the Lord spoke to me about. Um, like yourself, Ian, you're an apostle. I'm not an apostle, but I partner with churches like, you know, prophetically aligned and so on and so forth. And there has been a huge hit on churches financially. Some churches have shut down over it. And so I started really asking the Holy Spirit about this. And I, I felt like the Lord asked me this, Ivan, how do you know where somebody's heart is? How do I know where somebody, well, it's easy. Wherever your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And I realized that people have actually lost heart. And they've lost heart. They've gone faint of heart. They've become disheartened. And because of that, it is affecting their finances. It's affecting confusion over their mind. I believe, Ian, and I'd love you to speak into this. Part of Re Revelation chapter 2, Church of Ephesus, this one thing against you, right? Repent. Do the things you did at first. You lost your first love. So for me, part of the things that I did at first was when I was a new Christian, I was taught the 10th belongs to the Lord. Yeah. I'm not talking about teruma and offering and just the simplicity of just Jesus says, hey, what's who's the picture on this coin? Caesar. Well, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Pay your taxes. But give to God what's God's. And so I'm actually encouraging people, start aligning your heart back to the Lord, back to heaven through your finances. It's, it's, it's one of these simple alignment things that's just a real little simple adjustment that where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. If you want to speak into that, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, so, so many thoughts on that. Like, so, so many <laughs> thoughts on that. We got to do more of this together, don't you think? I know. So, so the, it, I watch people starting to get attacked, right? They start to get some push on their finances. And if the first thing that goes is actually your is is giving, then that's probably uh, that's probably the issue that that God wants to sort of surface. Yeah. Um, like if your first if your if my first reaction is not to um, you know is not to cut back on my twelve dollar cans of chili, um, and. Uh, <laughs> But my first reaction cancel Hulu, that, cancel Disney. You know, you yeah. start canceling your two dollar apps. You know, here's, here's the thing: this, 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 this approach is a poverty approach. The poverty approach is what do I need to cut back? And the minute you're cutting back on your giving, you are a pauper. You are declaring Ooh. to the entire spirit realm that I don't believe that any of this is true. I believe in a two-dimensional world that there is nothing going on uh, that, that uh, you know, we, 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 like I, you mentioned the truma. I believe the truma is actually the holiest piece of giving that you can give. It's the holiest, most mystical, most potent piece of giving that people can do is the first fruits giving. I, I, I have testimony after testimony after testimony. No, no. When I'm when I'm challenged by, if I'm being challenged in my finances, I'll tell you, I'll I'll tell you what our what Rachel my response is to that is that last month we decided we're going to double our giving. Come on. Um, in that in that Taruma area, we're just going to double it because I don't know, I don't, I know that we talk about two and a half percent and all that, and we're like, that's nah, not enough. We just need to double that because I believe it is the holiest thing that if it's blessed. 
everything else is getting blessed. So what we're challenged with, so I have this saying, which a bunch of my people, including my wife, are going to go, please don't say this. Don't say it. Don't say it. But there is magic in the woo-woo. Listen, I want to be clear. There is magic in the woo-woo. So in all the sort of spiritual things, these spiritual principles that we have, like taruma and tithing and blessing and honor and not cursing through them, all of these things are being challenged right now. Do you actually believe that when you cut back your giving, you're going to be more blessed? You have got to be joking me. Like you have, that means you never believed it in the first place. So it is in fact impotent. It's absolutely impotent. If I'm sowing into, like I've heard people say, you know, I'm not giving to get. I have never met anybody that has planted a flower seed and not expected a flower to grow. Come on. It's just stupid horticulture right there, you know, that if I'm like, that's why the Taruma alms giving is really important, not to mention the tithe. This is actually, I believe that there are spiritual principles that are at work that when I withdraw my giving, I'm subjecting myself. I'm, I'm actually saying, I don't believe those. Right. I agree. I don't, I don't believe them. I've never been convinced of them that I'm going to withhold because I don't believe there's any woo-woo on it at all. I don't believe there's anything spiritual on it at all. I don't believe there's anything divinely ordained about it at all. That's what I'm actually saying. And you can yeah. say, well, you know, it's good stewardship. No, it's not. It's a lousy way to steward anything. That's right. Stewardship is not about keeping your money. It's about investing in, etern- in eternity. It's about investing in yourself, doing the things that you're supposed to do. That's stewardship. Like when you think about it just from a logical perspective, not from any other place, when I withdraw my tithe, my offerings, all of those sort of things, when I stop support, listen, our support has dropped 30% this year, mm-hmm. 30%. And God is still good. Yes, amen. You know, God is still good. And this isn't about like, let's, hey, we're not we're not going to take an offering. offering. I'm just saying that I think it's real and out there and people are pulling back. And as much as I would like to say they're they're doing this full of faith, they're not. They're doing it because they don't believe in actually the things they've been doing for years. And maybe Mm -hmm. that's actually a reset. Maybe God is just saying, I'm I'm going to reset this thing. I'm going to push your buttons to see what you actually believe. You understand that this is part of the tr- this is part of the reason for storms is that he pushes your butt. He's not bringing the storms just to be clear, but during right. the storms, he's going to actually use those storms to push your buttons to see what you really believe about a thing. That's that. the whole purpose of prophecy being tested. That's the whole purpose of revelation being tested. That's the whole purpose of our faith. See how I said that with an American accent? Faith, faith. It's the whole purpose of it is to see, are you going to stand with this? Because there might come a day when you're going to need to believe God for the, what you're going to believe God for the 10 million. There might come a day that you're going to have to say, what does it look like to sow into getting, into receiving 10 million? Here's a revelation I had last night. Come on, fresh. Fresh off the press. Fresh revelation. I believe this is for some of you. I actually believe it's for all of you. I think 5% of you will run with it. Uh, Earlier this year, President Biden promised that that the tax laws that he was going to do would not affect anybody earning less than $400,000. 
I believe in the spirit, what happens is that he's given us a goal to go after and that we're all supposed to be earning $400,000 this year. Come on. In 2023, that there is a fresh gold. And I'm not saying that to avoid taxes or anything like that. I'm just saying I think that there's something on it when a president decrees that here's the ceiling, then we should at least try to go to that ceiling. So good. And some of you are going to do it. I know that some of you are actually going to do that. Come on. Some, let me rephrase that. Ivan, some of us are going to do that. Yes, yeah, some of us, because I need that. Right. Jesus some of us name. are going to do that in 2023 because the yeah. president dec decreed something and we just need to fall in line of it. It's like what happens in times like that is like the, the path is open for that to be possible. I think as you're talking about Malachi chapter three and and just speaking it from just a biblical perspective, not doing the debate whether the tithing is under the law and all that stuff. And, and you know, no, tithing was before the law. But anyway, moving on. There's a scripture that hit me in recently, and it's how money can open up windows. Hmm. See, windows speaks of opportunity. Doors is transition. Money opens up windows. And I've been testing the Lord in this. You know, test me in this. See yeah. if I want to open up the windows of heaven. And I've been testing the Lord in this. And what's been happening to me, and maybe maybe this will speak to some of you, as we're asking God for resources, you know, faith has to be partnered with that. Yes. So I've been sowing specifically into people that are doing things that I want to do. They, they don't need my money. They have more money than I do. But I'm asking God, for me, it's five streams of income. I didn't say five jobs. I don't, I can't do five jobs. I'm talking about five passive streams of income and i i'm telling you there's something about i as i and i know this we know sometimes people go well, that sounds like word of faith no it's kingdom principles i name my seed father as i sow into this individual i'm asking you in jesus name for a stream of income because your word says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children yes. i pastor a small church i travel i'm writing books i feel like i'm tired i i'm doing the things that you're asking me to do now I'm partnering with heaven right now. And I'm starting to experience in these opportunities that are open up that don't require more of 40 hours a week, 20 hours a week. <laughs> and so I want to encourage those of you, start partnering your seed and see, and again, we're not receiving an offering. This is, this is where I felt my faith rose up and I said, I want to see fear broken over the body of Christ. And, and this is just my perspective. I'm not, I believe that I needed an apostle. Uh, there's apostolic decrees. A prophet can see. It's not that a prophet can make the decree, but I believe that there's first apostle, second prophets, that there's authority when there's an apostolic decree. And in a minute here, I, hear, and I, I feel like what we're doing is giving you principles. We're trying to help you. You're our family. You know, these are things that Ian is living, things that I'm living and we're seeing breakthrough in. And so, Yes, we want to decree over you that fear would be broken off of you. And uh, so anyway, we're not trying to get your money, but we let, are trying to let, let, get let, you wealthy. <laughs> let me speak into that a little bit. I'm We're not taking an offering, not because we don't. Listen, I believe it works. I believe it works so much that we should take an offering. But that's not what we're doing. Like, that's not what we're right. going to do. And the only reason is because I don't want it to be a stumbling block for you. I don't want you to hear that we're not taking an offering because we don't believe it works. We 100, I 100% believe it works. 
I have testimony after testimony from ourselves and the people that run with us. I just simply don't want it to be a stumbling block. That's my yeah, that's I my thing. That. Test the Lord on it with somebody that you're going after. Yes. Test, test the Lord on it. So, Come on. How many of you guys want to see fear broken off of your life? I'm reading a lot of the comments, and people are super engaged. I'm just curious before we before we go after breaking fear. I know there's some practical areas, Ian, that they're going to have to walk out. But how many of you would be interested if Ian and I did a podcast together and and the two of us started doing more of this? Um, we're, we're in alignment. Our hearts are in alignment. We probably could invite Rachel too, do you think? I think I think you're very scary for her. I don't know. I don't like that. <laughs> Is it me that's scared? Probably not. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> look, look, there you go. We have we have a resigning. We have a resigning yes. You, you know, I'm just going to say something really quickly, and I don't know how this is going to come across because um, I'm not saying like Elijah, there's no one out there. But when I asked the Lord, Ian, Father, okay, let me just, let me tell on myself. It, 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 so I was a part of something where I was in the room where people were prophesying of a third world war. And it began to impact, impact me, influence me. I came to church on Sunday morning. And I wasn't feeling well. I, I had the flu and I didn't have anybody to help me speak. You know, you shouldn't speak when you're sick because you're a little cranky or I'm already a cranky person. Now I'm all, I got up there and I just regurgitated the things that I heard. And then after I got better, I felt like Papa brought me to the woodshed. So what's that going to help? Why do the people need to know the plans of the enemy? They're to steal, kill and destroy. What am I going to do? And I realized, I thought, Lord, where are the new covenant prophets? Yeah, come on. I'm not saying I'm the only one. I'm not even saying I am one. I'm just saying we need them. Yeah. We need those that can see into heaven and encourage the people to partner with the Father and advance the kingdom of God because the gospel is good news. So, Ian, before we pray, like you're going to pray, I'm going to receive something. What practical steps can I do to walk out living fearless, killing fear in my life? What are yeah. some of the things I can do from here forward? Yeah, I mean, I, I I think there's a there's a, there's a bit of it that you know we we just need to be trained. Yeah, I love like, that. Part. We we need to be trained for war, and part of that is that we need to be able to adjust our our stance. We need to be able to change our emotions. We need to be able to get into this place where so get around people that they're doing re mind renewal stuff. I see this hokum coming from people saying, you know, yeah, uh, oh, you know, we need to stop doing. You know all this stuff that's sort of like building yourself and all that you know tony robbins has crept into the church and preachers are doing this listen preachers are training their people to have renewed minds this yeah. is what we need to do i need to not believe the report of the enemy i need to uh, listen the enemy is all of media at the minute all of it it's it's that's that's kind of what you need to stop watching a bunch of stuff like not a bunch of you need to stop watching fox news MSNBC, all of that. I, I don't know if you know this, but the spirit of politics and religion is not um, bound to one political party. Yeah. It's it's over the whole system. It's over the whole darn system. Um, so I, I just think that we got to learn how to be happy and, and sh be able to shift our emotions into a place of joy and not simply doing that. Uh, someone put get on the grid. That's a sort of like thing that we do in, in, in the Daniel company, which is 
um, just learning how to shift your emotions, how to actually make declarations, how to use the power of declarations, not affirmations. So an affirmation can be simply, uh, you know, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn, people like it, where a declaration has some faith attached to it. Um, yes. And, you know, whether that's faith from a different kingdom or faith from our kingdom, then, then I think it's really important. Just real practical steps. Get yourself around a band of brothers and sisters. Come on. Like, to get yourself, like, the, the banana that leaves the bunch is the one that gets eaten, right? So the one that's all out there isolated, doing their own thing, they're the ones that are just not doing well. Um, so get yourself around people, even if that means you're going to like, I, I know that some people are saying, Hey, just be in a community. I think you need to be in a church, not just a community, but, but it means you're going to have to like get around people that are going to encourage the hell out of you. Like get around that sort of prophetic community that are going to learn how to encourage the hell out of you. So that when hell comes knocking, you're going to go, no, no, I smell that. No, 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 I'm not going to be part of that. So I think real practical, just. Be around people. Learn to learn that you're a, you're more than an over more than a conqueror, right? I love that. I want to listen share something. Like just listen to stuff. Listen to good, healthy podcasts. Something that's going to encourage you. Something that's going to build you up. And listen, even if there is a World War Three, God is still good. Yes, he's he's in a good mood, and it should be over pretty quickly. So, yeah, I, I think we've been hearing it for a long time. And I think we, the, we, the people need to align with what God is doing. And it is, he's building his ecclesia. And I, and I planted in my heart was to plant an ecclesia. And, uh, I've had to repent because I've built a oikos. And, uh, and what I mean by oikos is we, you know, this last year, Ian, man, I've been doing marriage counseling, inner healing sessions, being such a good pastor, the church plummeted and finances started to <laughs> direction hit stress hit and i thought lord what in the world i thought you know and the lord said this is not your lane you got to get back into your lane ivan as soon as i went back into my lane everything broke shifted i, I want to encourage some of you guys it feels good to be ministered to and very often pastors will minister to you but apostles and prophets will actually train you to be the ministers. And I do feel this so strongly in my own, there's a correction in my own heart that God's saying, Ivan, I've never called you to pastor. And I'm having to shift into my lane as an overseer in a training center. But one of the reasons, Ian, and I'm confessing that I moved into the pastoral lane is because of the constant complaints of people that you don't love me enough and you're not spending one-on-one -on -one time with me enough. And what I realize is when you move in that direction, you're not building an army that can train for battle. Right. You, you have a group of people that want to hang out and have coffee and fellowship and have donuts, but you're not actually advancing the kingdom. And so I want to encourage you that are watching this and that will re-listen to this. Church, if you're a new Christian, you're a new believer, listen, we love you. You know, read your Bible like Joel Osteen says, get in a good, you know, Bible, believe in family, read your, do all that stuff. But some of you have been saved for so stinking long. Get your butt off the pew. Start discipling people. Prophesy. Heal the sick. Raise. This isn't. That's one of the reasons why I've struggled with the apostle prophet language. I'll be honest, because they're going to go, yeah, you and Ian, you guys, that's what you do. Well, we're we're supposed to be raising the army up, aren't we? 
And that's you guys. You guys are the army that is being trained to cut the head off of Goliath, which I believe is that religious and political system. So anyway, now I got a little worked up. So maybe got me fired up a little bit. Yeah, there. you're trying to get everybody off their blessed assurances. Isn't that what you're trying <laughs> Get you know, it, just, assurances and it just doesn't work. You know, people would tell me, you know, we need more of these classes. So I started the class. Guess what? Poor people show up. You, so here's, here's the thing. I'll tell here's you. The, the, the thing ahead, about complaining, complaining is witchcraft. Come on. Right? Like, the, like complaining is actually witchcraft. It's trying to bend wow. your will to my will, which is the very definition of witchcraft. Like the, the nation of Israel on the day of decision, they call it two things. They call it the day of rebellion and they call it the day of complaint when they decided to not go into the promised land. It's called the day of rebellion and the day of complaint. And, and the, the parallels between complaining and rebellion are absolutely there. So the minute we're actually given, so, and we know that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So complaining is also as the sin of witchcraft. Um, so the minute we're giving into complaining, we're actually coming under a spirit of witchcraft. Come on. And, and that's particular. Like I, I would like every church leader to know that, that the minute you're giving into the complaints of your people, you're coming under a spirit of, of witchcraft. Wow. Instead of actually learning how to say, um, I mean, what, one of the, one of the terms, all, all the people that have been trained by me who are listening to this now and later on. Well, you know, that's why we need to learn to say the following word when people are complaining. Okay, you ready? Yes. Fascinating. Just fascinating. like that. People complain and you go, fascinating. And that's it. Like, I don't have any responsibilities to actually adjust it. Plus, I don't, you know, the, 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 yeah, I, I have not come to bandy words with a witless worm. You know, I'm, I'm actually not going to allow the, you know, I, Anyway, Facebook, it's one of those things where people complain. So we're we're just not going to do it. They they have a role. People that want to complain have a role. They can make the tea for us when we come back from a good fight. Come on. <laughs> Let's pray in. Listen, right. those of you that are watching, just very, very quickly, you know, there's been some key points. And some of these points aren't line upon line, precept upon precept, but there's Ian sharing from his heart. I'm sharing from my heart. I'm sharing. What, what we're doing, what we're presently living. And so I want to encourage you guys, if you feel afraid of your finances and you and you have stopped giving to the local church, whatever church you're going to, repent and yes. do the things you did at first. I, w- I want to encourage you, and, and not just your time, but your giving, your offerings. And and I'm, and we're going to do another, we need to do this another one, Ian, where we actually talk about that. And I just want to give you some practicals. And number two, if you're experiencing fear over a third world war or recession stop watching the news yes more people that i talk to can quote every dumb thing biden says and they don't know what john 3 16 says i'm telling you i want to share one thing really fast i had an open vision last wednesday and i saw this massive ancient bible fall out of heaven it was so intense it went boom and it opened and i understood that 2023 this season that we're living in god is wanting to reestablish in the heart of his children, the foundation of the word of God. If you don't know the Bible, turn your TV off and read it. Number two, in the encounter, I knew I was to walk over and read the verse. The verse was Romans chapter eight and verse uh, 28. And it says that all things work together for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. 
And there's so many of you that are in the season and you lack purpose. That next verse in verse 29 is that we were predestined to do what? Be conformed into the image of his son. The All the good things that he's going to do is to make us look more like Jesus. So I just want to encourage you, right? What God is building in us is that we all look like Jesus. Yes. So I just want to encourage you, get in the word of God. Come I've been on. telling people, Ian, things just simply like, you know what? Instead of listening to music in your car, pray in tongues, worship. And it's amazing. They go, wow, I never thought of that. So we are leading a biblically illiterate generation. A part of training is a part of getting in your word. And so, yeah, go back, re-listen to it, take down some notes. But I think we should karate chop some Goliaths. <laughs> what do you think, Apostle? You want to release some decrees? I would love Ooh. to. Dear Lord. Dear. <laughs> you know, there, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, we, we have the capacity. Um, <laughs> that weird? <laughs> oh, prophets. prophets, prophets, prophets. I got lions everywhere. <laughs> lions everywhere. Yeah, there's a lion behind you, prophets. Um, I, I have, I have knife posters. I have knife posters. I have knives. That's kind of it. So, <laughs> lots of knives. Like seriously, I've I've got lots of knives. Well, that's because this is where I require them as well. Just keep oh, talking. Don't worry about me. That is a beautiful looking axe. The axe is already at the root. Come on, I'm gonna start swinging this thing in here. All righty. So there's a thing called dead faith, right? There's a thing called dead faith, and that is faith that has no works attached to it because faith without works is dead. So, so there's something about having all the faith in the world to, to do this, but you got to put works to it. Uh, some of you just need to make a decision and do something with it. And uh, I, I think that's part of what even you're saying is like, do the things that you did at first. Uh, do those things that you did at first, you know, um, that, that we have all the faith in the world. I, 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 have, I have a sense that, let me, let, me, let me just go off. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for your goodness. And, God, I thank you that the enemy has to challenge your goodness. Wow. Because when he's, because he's terrified of, of your goodness, he's terrified of us actually knowing your goodness right here in the land of the living. And I just want to declare and decree over every single one of us that we will know the goodness of God in the land of the living, that we will experience the goodness of God in this promised land, that this is a land of overflowing with milk and honey. This is a land overflowing with milk and honey. This is not a land that is just squeaking by and easing by, that this is the mandate from heaven the promised land for even an inferior covenant was a land that is overflowing with milk and honey. And God, I declare, I declare over each one of us that there are, and I believe this is specifically for some of you, and I want you to receive this. If this is you, I want you to receive it. I believe there are downloads. There are million dollar idea downloads that this is not the checks and the mail. This is the downloads to fund the kingdom. I believe that in the heavenly realms, that just as there are people that have mandates that are unfinished here on earth, there are 
there are wealthy people that have mandates that are unfinished on the earth and, and, and that needs cooperated with that God, your word says that we have the power to be wealthy, that you give us the power to be wealthy. And God, I, I just declare that million dollar downloads, $10 million downloads, that you're giving us ideas that will break the back of poverty in our generational lines. For, our, for those that are to come after us, that you're breaking the back of that right here on December the 14th, 2022, that this point in time is the line in the sand that says from here, we are expecting to prosper and be in good health as our soul prospers. Yes. As our soul prospers. And God, I just break fear off every single one of us and replace it with the knowledge that you are good and that your plans for us are not for calamity, not for chaos, but they're for good, to give us a future and a hope. And God, we breathe hope into everybody who hears these words. We breathe hope, hope, hope to everybody who, who hears these words. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and God, I pray that this would be a red-letter day for some of us, that this would be the day when everything turned. Come on. <laughs> I just was reminded of uh, in our staff meeting yesterday, actually, she's on here now, Audra McFarland. She made reference to a scripture where um, this, I forgot who it was, if it was Moses, I don't remember, you guys don't know. And they're kind of like lying prostrate before the Lord, and God goes, what are you doing here? Get up. Go take the land. And I, and I just had a vision of many of us kind of almost paralyzed in fear and just kind of like asking God what to do. And here's here's the word of the Lord for you. Get up. Yes. It's time to arise. It's time to shine. It's time to go. It's time to move forward. It's time to advance. It's time to occupy. And I believe as you step forward, you're going to begin to experience the doors opening before you, but they're not going to open just sitting on your, what'd you call it? Your holy assurance. <laughs> Blessed assurance. Ooh. If you're feeling something, just very quickly before we, we come to a close here, if you're feeling, I know as Ian was praying, I started feeling some release. I started feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit. I just, just very quickly, is anybody feeling fear just breaking off of them right now? Actually, I'm getting word of knowledge for someone that you you think you have asthma. You've actually been experiencing like your breathing has been constricted and it's not that you're overweight or anything. It's just something's and, and I just want to say it's not asthma. The Lord is actually breaking off of you a spirit of fear that's been coming against your breathing. And so if that's you where you've been feeling all of a sudden this uh, thing around your chest, we just cancel that assignment. And I just want you to say that's me if that's you. So, Father, thank you right now for your healing anointing. Whew. There's somebody on here also that I don't know what I'm seeing, but it's like your your vision is starting to actually decrease. I don't know if it's a cataract, but it's it's significant. Uh, your your vision is significantly changing, and I just want to pray for all of those that are watching that have problems with their vision. That that as a prophetic sign that the Lord is restoring vision to His church, that the Lord would heal you. So, Father, I pray right now. If you have problems with your eyes, just Put your hands on them. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would release healing over everybody's eyesight. Lord, as a decree that you are giving your church 
vision in this season in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, we thank you for Jill. And we just release, Lord. Jill, as your name got pulled up, I saw supernatural blueprints that the Father is giving you out of a place of rest. Jill, I feel like there was a time where you were a soaker. You would lie on your back. You'd worship you. And, and I just, the Lord's inviting you back to that place of that posture of receiving. Just you don't have to pray. Sometimes you just got to lie down, listen to music, and God's going to just impart blueprints for you for this next season in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Ivan, if people want to connect, any people that don't know you, what's the best way to connect with you? Honestly, it's easy. My name, IvanRoman.org. We have a church plant here in Southern Oregon, but all the information is you can just link right to that. So just my name, IvanRoman.org. That makes it easy. Yeah. And for us, Ooh. for Rachel and me, it's buildingcontenders.com. We actually have a, a PDF that has got some declarations about fear around it. And uh, you can go to this link. I think it's going to be pinned on the comments. You can go to this link. You put in your email address and you get sent to download. You get a sent to download a PDF of all these, um, you know, declarations around standing against fear. I think the power of declarations is really important. And again, the difference between an affirmation and a declaration is that we have the Holy Spirit. So anyway, it's been a blast. Thank you, sir. Thank you, everyone. And, uh, I feel like maybe we need to keep doing this, Ian and I, and then we'll invite Rachel to the party. That'd be awesome. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Anyway, guys, bless you. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, and if you're watching this later, again, comment, comment, comment. So, Amen. Bless you.